And now I will introduce today's special guest. Halloween, Halloween may be a couple of weeks off, but things are pretty scary right now in the economy. The nightmare on Wall Street has sent shivers up Bay Street and is wreaking financial havoc around the globe. Last month, when our guest speaker announced the province's second quarter economic results, he warned that Ontarians should brace for tough times. Next week, he will deliver his fall economic statement. And today, he will offer us an overview of the challenges facing Ontario and perhaps a preview of what's in store for the province. What will it take to rev up Ontario's economic engine, boost our sagging manufacturing sector, and inject further stability into our financial services sector? Those are some of the big questions that today's guest, the Honourable Dwight Duncan, is well positioned to answer. But let me tell you a bit about him first. Minister Duncan is a political veteran whose first foray into politics was in the scrappy municipal arena where he served as Windsor City Councillor from 1988 to 1994. He has been elected to the Ontario Legislature four times since his first win in 1995. In government, he has served as Minister of Energy and Chair of Cabinet, Minister of Finance and Chair of Management Board, as well as Government House Leader. So he's no stranger to large and complex portfolios. Minister Duncan is a graduate of McGill University and the University of Windsor, with degrees in economics and commerce, as well as an MBA. He's a lifelong resident of Windsor, a tireless advocate for Ontario, and a great Canadian. Please join me in a very warm welcome to the Honourable Dwight Duncan, Ontario Minister of Finance and Minister of Revenue. Good morning. Uh everyone and thank you for joining us today. It's uh, an honour and I'm delighted to have the opportunity to address the Canadian Club this morning. <clears throat> you know, Prime Ministers, Premiers and their Finance Ministers have, over the years, taken advantage of your hospitality and outlined the challenges facing our economy. You know, in 1914 there was a speech on the high cost of living. In 1967, John Turner addressed this club on the title of his chat was The New Economy. As we've learned time and again, Canadians have risen to the challenges of their times and built a better future for their children. Today, we are called upon to rise to an unprecedented challenge facing our economy, one which is occasioned by a global crisis in liquidity and confidence. These challenges are real, present, and directly affecting our families and businesses. The world reality has changed in the last few weeks, and so has Ontario's. We must respond in a prudent and direct fashion recognizing the real limitations faced by all governments. Before I address where we need to go, let me reflect a bit on where we've been. Over the past five years, the Ontario economy has grown. 
In spite of challenges in the manufacturing and forestry sectors, we have 500,000 net new jobs and real wages continue to rise. Unemployment is lower than it was in 2003, and our labor force has in fact grown. The McGuinty government has made enormous investments in education, innovation, infrastructure, while cutting business taxes, balancing our budget, and paying down debt. We have worked hard to build partnerships with our municipalities, First Nations, and yes, the federal government. The McGuinty government established a five-point plan more than a year ago to respond to the triple threat of rising oil prices, a weaker American dollar, and a slowing U.S. economy. Our five-point economic plan will continue to guide us while we respond to this rapidly changing environment. But make no mistake, we must respond. We cannot simply sit back while the world changes, while the world moves on in ways that I think it's fair to say most of us don't know where it will end up. This year's fall economic statement, which I will deliver next week, will detail the changes we have seen since I presented our budget in March and where necessary make adjustments as we move forward. Since my budget in March, private sector economists have been changing their projections about growth in the U.S., Canada, and the world more often than the Leafs change coaches. Don. <laughs> Today's economic circumstances led Doug Porter of the Bank of Montreal to say last week, trying to do an economic forecast right now is like trying to put a value on your house while the kitchen's on fire. The University of Toronto's policy and economic analysis program put out a release last week titled, and I quote, short-term outlook. We don't have a clue and we're not going to pretend that we do. The wit and underlying seriousness of these comments is evident. Still, as finance minister, I am compelled to assess how things have changed and determine what we have to do next. Three principles will govern our government's thinking in the coming days, weeks, and months. First, we will be prudent and cautious, but we'll move quickly to respond to circumstances. In the absence of hard numbers, and that's what's particularly challenging. You know, on the one hand, we see what's going on in the world, yet on the other hand, we get positive numbers. Employment's up this year. Real wages are up. But we will be prudent and cautious. 
In the absence of those numbers, judgment and intuition will guide our thinking. We will continue to consult widely and involve as many people as possible in our decision making. You know, over the course of the past few weeks, we've had opinion and analysis from a range of sources. Some of them sitting here at the table, Don, uh, TD uh, Securities, a whole range of people and individuals and communities give us input. We try to access the enormous talent we have right within a few feet of the legislature to guide us as we move forward. Looking out at the room today, I see people that I have been talking to on a regular basis trying to determine what's coming next, how does Ontario respond. We are all traversing new ground and must work together to get through this. Second, we will work to protect the gains we have made in recent years by taking a balanced, comprehensive approach to today's reality. Those unprecedented investments I mentioned a moment ago in healthcare, education, and infrastructure create jobs now and improve productivity in the longer run. Now is not the time, not the time to slow down on infrastructure. It is not the time to cut back in education. We will continue to protect those investments. You know, President Kennedy said that you repair the roof while the sun is shining. And to some extent, that's what the McGuinty government is doing, has been doing over the course of the last five years. Our reaching higher plan for post-secondary education means that 100,000 more Ontarians are being trained in our colleges and universities today and 50,000 more are learning a trade. It is those skills, that talent, that will get us through these challenging times. Education is key. There's some students here from York University cutting class this morning. Glad to see them here. One of them studying economics. Both Drummond and I tried to talk him out of that. But it is those investments in education that will underpin and help us, particularly in the long run. Three years ago, we launched Renew Ontario, a five-year, $30 billion infrastructure investment which is building new roads, new schools, new hospitals, new bridges, and new transit right across Ontario. Today, there are more than 100 major construction projects underway, employing thousands of workers with more still to come. And we are just now wrapping up Renew Ontario and will begin a 10-year, $60 billion infrastructure investment program that will help get us through not only these times, but build the economy of the future. This summer, the Premier announced $1.1 billion in additional money for our municipalities. They will be receiving that money in the next couple of weeks, and those projects will be in the ground employing people the beginning of the next construction season, right at the time they were needed. Innovation creates jobs. In addition to historic investments in attracting new high-technology jobs to our economy, 
We've provided tax incentives to commercialize Canadian ideas so that homegrown ideas turn into hometown jobs. Our government is well aware of the impact that taxes have on Ontario businesses, and we knew lowering business costs would help them succeed and create more jobs. That's why we've already cut business taxes by $1.5 billion. Fully phased in, our tax cuts will save our businesses nearly $3 billion annually. But it's not just random across the board tax cuts. They are targeted, they are smart, and they address the specific needs of the sectors of our economy that are most in need of help. For instance, we are lowering and eliminating the, or the capital tax. So last year, in my fall economic statement, we accelerated the time frame we needed to do that. We not only eliminated them as of last fall, we made that retroactive to the previous January. That put cold, hard cash in the hands of our manufacturers, forestry sector, agri-food business, a whole range of industries at precisely the time they needed it. Governments have to be smart, governments have to be agile, and we will continue to be both. The third principle that will guide us in the weeks ahead is building confidence. No single government can fix the problems in the world's economy. What every government must do, however, is rise to the challenges of the times. Building confidence means making tough decisions. Building confidence means working with stakeholders to help them respond to today's pressing needs. Building confidence means that we reject the notion that we can spend our way out of tough times. If we learned anything in the early 90s, it was this. Building confidence means that we have to take a comprehensive view of the levers available to us. A single-minded agenda that calls exclusively for tax cuts and deregulation has not worked very well. Building confidence means taking a balanced approach. It means responding to real problems in an open-minded fashion. Not unlike what we have seen from governments and regulators around the world over the last few weeks. And most importantly, building confidence means never, ever losing sight of the fact that underneath all of the statistics, all of the uncertainty, and all of the turmoil, there are real people with real fears, real concerns, and very real needs. We can no more abandon our efforts to reduce poverty than we should abandon working with our businesses to increase productivity. We have to take that balanced approach. We have to recognize that investments in income and employment will help build confidence and see us through these challenging times. Like Ontario families, in the face of 
economic challenges, like all of you in this room on a daily basis, we will be making tough decisions to demonstrate restraint. But those decisions will be informed decisions that will focus with laser-like precision on the areas that we can influence and make a real difference in. So what does this mean for next week? I'm not going to tell you whether or not we have a deficit. If I did, I'd have to shred you. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. We will update you with the most recent information we have with respect to the economy. And as I noted earlier, that information changes on almost a daily basis. It should come as no surprise to you that our projections have significantly changed since we delivered our budget last spring. We will outline what we think the province's books will look like by the end of the fiscal year and lay out a plan for managing economic change between now and next March. We have responded time and again to prepare ourselves for this. The McGuinty government's five-point plan has been the right plan for these times. It's flexible enough to accommodate changing circumstances in Ontario, and we will be better and stronger for it. I was delighted to hear the Prime Minister announce his six-point plan yesterday. We all have to recognize that it's not business as usual. The world is a much different place. To conclude, I have to tell you that I am confident that Ontario and Canada will weather this storm. It will take hard work, it will take ingenuity, and it won't be easy. But working together with the strength of our collective will, Ontario will come through this stronger and better than we were when we went into it. For our part, we will keep investing in innovation, in the skills and education of our workers, in infrastructure, in lower business costs, and in developing partnerships. We will keep seeking new opportunities around the world. And if changing circumstances demand it, we will change our plans to make it stronger. We'll do what innovative and creative Ontarians have always done. We will rise to the challenges before us, and together we will all get through this with a better and stronger economy for our children. Thank you very much. I'd now like to call on John Duffy, Director of the Canadian Club of Toronto, to thank the Minister officially. Thank you, Helen. Uh, merci, Monsieur le Ministre. I just want to take a moment to say that um, it's, it's wonderful to have you here at the club. Um, a little over 20 years ago, somebody made a mistake and I got a job at Queen's Park in an office where the Minister used to work as a junior staffer. And near my cubbyhole was the office where, where Dwight had been, and he was a bit of a local legend at the Ministry of Labor. And one morning I sort of noticed that there was a worn patch of carpet near the entrance to his office. 
And there was a civil servant there, and I asked this fellow, I said, what, how, you know, this is a nice office, what's with the worn carpet? And he said, well, you're a liberal, you, you know the guy who used to work there, right, this Duncan guy out of Windsor, right? And he just, he, he goes like hell, and he just paced back and forth, paced back and forth, working really late, pacing back and forth. And I said, okay, so you're telling me that this is a guy who's going places? And he said, yeah, mostly I'm telling you he made his work too hard. Um, <laughs> I think there are two things that we can draw for that. Number one, Peter Wallace, uh, the minister's deputy of finance, will attest to that nobody is more energetic and works his uh, civil servants quite as hard as Dwight Duncan, and that's good news. I think the second thing is we can all note uh, with some confidence that uh, Dwight's rise in the political system has been accompanied by a growth and a quality of uh, mature decision-making that we heard so abundantly displayed in these remarks at a time when we need steadiness, balance, uh, and, and the, the inculcation of confidence in a shaky time, I can't think of a better person to be burning the midnight oil at Frostblock than uh, our Minister Dwight Duncan. So thank you very much for your message. We'll look forward to the fall update, and it's good to know that we're in good hands. Thank you, Minister. Thank you, John. Thank you again, Minister Duncan, and thank you all for joining us here today. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers Television in the days to come. This meeting is now adjourned.